Hello, and welcome to the Moms Who Roar podcast. I'm Catrice, the founder of Moms Who Roar. Throughout this series of episodes, you will learn a lot about me and the obstacles I overcome when I became a single mom back in 2012. You will also hear about how I managed to carry on with our lives despite all the setbacks. My story is not unique, and it may be hard to listen to at some points, but the goal and hope is that if I share what worked for me, maybe, just maybe, it might help someone else who might be going through the same thing. So let's get into it. Let's get vulnerable. Let's share. Let's cry and grow together. Let's roar. So series one, episode one, I think I'm just going to vulnerably get right into it. That's why we're all here anyways, isn't it? I am so excited to be doing this, first of all, because I've been trying so many different ways to kind of put this story out there for other people to have and to cling on to when they need motivation most Um, because it's not the only and true story of all single moms, but it is pretty similar to what a lot of people have went through back in 2012 or might be going through today, especially with the pandemic and everything going on and just stress levels being so, so high. So I'm going to get into this episode just a little bit it'll be heavily more on my background uh, and how I kind of like made it through those first weeks of becoming a single mom, but also the things that led up to that time for me specifically. So like any 23-year-old girl um, or woman, I think I was classified as a woman then, Uh, I had a full-time working job. I was doing pretty well for myself. I just finished school and uh, I had been working with the company for pretty, about four or five years at that time. I had met somebody that, you know, I thought was going to be the one I would raise my babies with. And, you know, as stories go or how we are where we are today, that did not happen. But leading up to those days, you know, I was really, I guess just sugarcoated or blinded by the idea of so much joy and happiness that would be coming down the pipeline for me. Uh, Specifically that year, age 23, I'd bought my first home. It was just a little itty bitty house. It was just like two tiny bedrooms. It had two full bathrooms, which was super nice. Um, A kitchen, living room, and a garage with a little backyard. And it was cute. It was really good starter home. And I bought and paid for it all by myself. I was the only one on the mortgage. I was super excited about it. Uh, And I could see everything just starting there, you know? So uh, me and my magazine vision board lifestyle that I had decided that it would be a good idea to just plop in the perfect family story there, right? Having one dog, one cat, a baby, and then moving on to another house where, you know, you kind of expand in your career and your family and, and the adventures that you all go on together. And up until that point of having a baby, that's exactly what I did. I bought a dog. I bought a cat. I had the perfect little house. Uh, and then we both agreed that having a baby was something we wanted to do. So in that context, I was like, great. And I, being the person I am, planned it out so perfectly that she would be born in the summer so that I could have the summer off uh, on maternity leave because nobody wants to be pregnant during those months. I'll tell you that. 
Um, sorry, mom. <laughs> so that was that was the plan. And my plan up until, you know, she came worked out really, really well. When she was born in July, she was a scary birth. It was very long. I won't go into those details, but it was hard. Uh, but she did come out fine. She was really healthy. And uh, just like everything I had wanted felt right in those moments. I felt so wholesome, so full. Nothing else could have made my life at that time any better. Um, so after having her and recovering at home, which is a nice thing to have because the hospital is really very helpful. They would make home visits to check on me because I did have to have surgery, which was just awful. Um, but I was just so wrapped up in taking care of her that I think I missed a lot of the things happening in my relationship and and stuff going on around me. So, you know, that happens so sometimes. Like your mom and your all your efforts are going into making sure that your baby survives its first few days and months of life. And that can be so consuming because you are the baby's sole food source, not sole provider, but for me, I really was the sole provider, uh, caretaker, guardian, you know, whatever, bathing, diapers, you girls know what I'm talking about. Even even if they do help sometimes, it's not really helpful. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was going okay for a couple months, but like I didn't really notice how detached her dad was. I And I, I kind of like placated it to the fact that it was all new and overwhelming and you know that's just kind of how it landed for me in that situation but it wasn't until she turned two months old um that I understood what was happening with him so it was 2 a.m on morning um I remember because we were sleeping or me and my baby were sleeping and uh I couldn't find him. He wasn't in bed. He wasn't in the house. And I remember going to our bathroom and checking the door and it was locked, which is weird because our bathroom, we don't lock our doors in our house. It's just the two of us and the lights were on. Um, so I knew that he was in there, but he wasn't responding. You know, I was knocking on the door, banging kind of quietly because I didn't want to wake the baby up and still no response. So I got really worried and I didn't know how to like Jimmy rig the door open. It wasn't one of those like doorknobs where you can just pop it and unlock it. Um, and I'm not good at doing that type of thing. So I proceeded to break down the door with my entire body. And my dog did not like that at all. He got very concerned with why I was trying to break down the door at 2 a.m. But I uh, finally broke down the door and there he was in there. He was in the bathroom, uh, passed out and unconscious and I thought I remember in those moments that he was just playing a really really awful joke on me like awful joke because he he did that he liked to play jokes but I was like it's 2 a.m like this is this is an excessive amount of effort for a joke and you know unresponsive I was touching him moving him trying to shake him awake um I know like we drink we we were drinking at that time. Well, I had stopped because I had the baby and I was breastfeeding, but I know he still drank. Um, but it, he never had blacked out from beer or alcohol before. And so I was just kind of like racking my mind until I noticed on the countertop uh, a spoon with a needle. And I was even more so confused. 
and I got angry, like so angry because I just didn't understand what was happening. So this led me to proceed to slap him a couple of times and he still did not respond. And then I was like, well, he's not going to like if I called the police. So I threatened him verbally that I was going to call the police. They're going to come if you don't wake up and end this stupid charade. Ah, but that didn't work either. So shakingly, I ran to my phone, called the police. I went through that whole ordeal, um, grabbed my baby, just holding her so tightly. It was so early in the morning. I had to put my dog in the garage so he wouldn't hurt anybody that came into the house. And they proceeded to give him Narcan and remove him from the house, took him to the hospital. He came to, he was just as confused as I was, which is kind of funny. Um, and then he, they took him to the hospital and I was so emotionally exhausted. And the officer said, you know, he's just going to spend the night there. Don't, don't even think about wasting your time coming and sitting in the hospital, call his parents, but you take care of your baby. So I did that. I grabbed her and I laid on my couch because I just couldn't go to the end of our house where that bathroom was, which was in our bedroom, is our master bath. And I just laid down with her. And I think I just passed out from just so much shock because, like, what the hell? How could how could that be what I just lived through? Like, I didn't understand. Um, I woke up the next day. I found a bunch of text messages from him. I told him I had to go to work because uh, I did. I was making a lot of money for the house. You know, I, I couldn't not go to work in my brain. So... I proceeded to get up, I got dressed, got her ready, got her to her her nanny, um, and then I went to work that day. Um, and I did that. I went to work every single day. I didn't take a day off. I just kept showing up. So he got out of the hospital. And I was like, you know, I I just don't understand this. Like, I want to help you. But I, I don't want this around the baby, obviously. Um, so... I think I had him go stay with one of his friends and we were just trying to figure it out. And then I got so angry, I basically like kicked him out and I trash bagged. I totally was this girl. I trash bagged all of his things, put them all in big trash bags, threw them all in the garage and told his friend he could come pick everything up that he needed to. Um, it was all in the garage waiting for him. So uh, he was officially kicked out at that point and he was not living with us. He was calling every once in a while, but wasn't really, like, into it calling. Um, I'd send pictures just of his daughter, obviously. Then uh, after a while, we kind of, like, got back some normalcy. And I was being pled to that everything's fine. He's normal. He's good. He's getting clean. He's getting help. And I kind of fell for it. I, uh, I was like, okay, well, let's, let's try this again. You can come over for dinner and come see your daughter and visit with her. That's fine, but you're not staying. It's just dinner. And I was like, okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll have my buddy drop me off after work. I'll be there. So he came over for dinner, um, came in the house, said hi to his daughter, and uh, said hi to me. And then he said, hey, I got to just go use the bathroom real quick, uh, and then I'll be right out. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll be right here cooking dinner. Um, and then I hear a crashing sound, a banging sound, a just big noise coming from the bathroom. And my daughter's in her high chair. I got food on the stove. I just take really deep breaths and <laughs> proceed back to the end of the hall where the bathroom is and 
yeah, he, he had overdosed again. So that was really, really hard because I couldn't be shocked anymore, right? I already gone through it. So I didn't even waste any time uh, attempting to wake him up because this time I think because he was being so fast, he, he did something wrong because he immediately started turning blue. Uh, so I ran to the phone, called the police. They came. They narcaned him. They said five minutes. If it had been five minutes longer, then it would have been real bad. So, so after that, because he overdosed again, um, before he'd ever been to court for the first overdose, he didn't really have an option. He, he went right to jail. And, and that was kind of when I realized that I am now going to be a single mom. Because who knew how long he's going to be in jail for? I mean, drugs at that time were a big deal back in 2012. Opioid crisis was insane. And illicit heroin was was the number one thing on the suites with fentanyl being like the number one killer from um, street drugs. And I mean, he is so lucky, A. But B, you know, he's caught up in a bunch of stuff that was really bad. Still is really bad. So, so yeah. After after that, he got arrested. He never got to come back and see her. Um, I, he was in jail for, I think, about a year or so, maybe a little longer. Um, he wrote. He tried to be cordial and tried to continue to convince me that he wanted to be in my life and her life and, and all the things. Um, and I fell for it for multiple times, you know. But I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself there because uh, when he went away... I lost that, you know, support and financially, um, I, I was in a really bad spot. Like I had a good job and yes, I owned the house and I was on the mortgage and stuff, but his income revenue was no longer and just a lot of things were no longer. So after that, um, my finances were really, really awful. Um, I had maxed out all of my credit cards. I think I had a credit card for every type of children's department store you could think of, like Toys R Us, uh, like Target, like all the cards that you would need to go buy formula and diapers and clothes for a kid. I had a credit card for because I thought that that would be a good idea, which turns out is not a great idea. Uh, but they were all maxed out. I couldn't charge. Like I remember Toys R Us, like trying to find a coupon or something or some way just to get a box of diapers uh, because. I desperately needed them and I wasn't educated on, you know, churches or hospitals that have programs that do help. And in some cases, those programs that did help people in my situation, I did not qualify for because my income alone was too high. So that's a different story, but um, it's a good and bad thing to have, I guess, right? So with the, with all of that, um, no nothing to charge my card. I could barely put gas in my car to get to work, which was always a struggle. And work was only like 20 minutes away. I had to pay for her, her daycare fees. Um, and then everything that just came with being a mom to an infant. And I realized that I had to cut like expenses somewhere. Um, I had a dog, very, very hyper dog, ate a lot of food. 
ate a lot of things in the house as well, but you know, you have to feed your dog. And I had a cat also required vets and food and all of those things. So one of the first things I did to kind of free up some money was rehome both of my animals um, because it just wasn't fair to them. I, I was struggling, you know, I could not take care of them the way that they deserved. And uh, I didn't have the energy to walk my dog. He was an Aussie. He needed to run around like nonstop. So I reached out to the appropriate people and I got them rehomed. The dog ended up on a farm learning how to cattle and herd. I'm sure he had the best life ever. So that's really good to know. And then my cat was rehomed to this amazing family that brought me like a bouquet of roses because they understood my story and they were just so sad but like so happy to gain a new family member themselves so at least that's a a happy feeling it is just something I had to do to you know for both of us me and the animals Um, but then you know things like kept getting harder I think the winter came shortly after that time and I think it was February it was so cold Um, and I had ran out of oil and I had to go to the gas station, which I think I I only had just a little bit of gas to begin with, but I had to go to the gas station because I heard that when your whole oil tank runs out, you have, you can go buy like a 50 gallon of kerosene just to get you by through the night or something. Um, and it was so cold and I couldn't just like sit in the house with me and my baby freezing to death. So I went and I bought 50 gallon of kerosene. And taught myself through YouTube videos how to put the kerosene in the oil tank. Um, But I had to also burn. I had to bleed it and burn it. Restart it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, Which was a fun time because the oil tank was in a crawl space under my house. That was only accessible through the deck. Um, Because whoever redid the house, this is their plan. They built the deck over the bulkhead. And so the the door to the bulkhead was a cutout of the deck and that had been completely frozen shut. So I spent like three hours just picking my way through frozen deck to get the door open so I could go down to the crawl space so I could go in there and bleed the line for the oil tank so that I can restart the burner. Oh, that was a good memory. But I figured it out. I guess out of all of this, you do learn some life skills. Yeah, but I figured it out. I got I got to go and the heat kicked on and the house warmed up and it worked out okay for that night, but I know I really had no money after that. Uh so uh another thing that compounded on that was my mortgage had increased by like 200 or so dollars, so that was just like tapping me out completely. So, I put the house up for sale, which was really hard cuz like I said in the beginning, that was the one thing in my age 23 buying her first home and making a life there and had it all planned out type of thing man if social media was as big then as it is now I would have looked like a really big failure because all of this would have been plastered all over social media uh me being that naive and look at me look at me um but so yeah I had to go through the process of selling my home and the process in itself wasn't awful and I know like when I tell people this about my my first home I'm like I only made $900 off the sale and like I'm outraged by this and everyone else is just like well at least you made money but the context of that $900 didn't even cover another apartment's first month and security deposit that is what outraged me (laughs) the most Uh, but I don't really go into that type of detail with people that I 
I'm at work with are telling the story about my first sale. Um, so yeah, I was two mortgage payments away from defaulting on the loan and having to file for bankruptcy. And I finally sold the house to a couple. And the reason I only made $900 off of it is because they required like all this crazy stuff to happen to that this itty bitty house before I sold it. And it like drained $2,300 of the sale out of me. And so that's also why I was really bitter. Uh, But they were right to ask me what they did. And I was just in a really bad space mentally. So out of all that, I got my $900 and I found this apartment um, that it was upstairs someone's like subdivided house in the same town so the house like the stairways they blocked off so you could go upstairs to your apartment and they lived downstairs and when you walked up to these up these itty bitty stairs you'd open their door and you have this like tiny little kitchen um, a living room to your left with a closet a tiny little bathroom with like a stand-up shower that I could barely even fit me and I was like 130 pounds at the time and then um a bedroom to the right so it was kind of, the bedroom was kind of big you know I could put the the crib in there and my bed in there and that worked out okay but that was it it was just very basic I think it was like $900 a month and plus utilities but the landlord was super helpful and friendly and understood my situation and allowed me to pay back um what I didn't have a little bit later so that was really helpful uh, and I'm so forever grateful to people around here that um, or in general that have the ability and the capability to lend a helping hand to others because that's really what this podcast and this group that I'm starting is really all about is lending that hand to others. Um, but I got into that apartment and I finally felt like I could figure things out. Um, but you know that whole process of the house and the animals and my finances and rehoming and moving out and getting an apartment, I did not have a great handle on it at all. Uh, Like I said, my method of paying for things was maxing out credit cards and opening up new ones. Like my credit score was like 500. And if you don't know what that means when you're tracking against finances and trying to apply for loans or things like that, or even rent an apartment, it's kind of important. So it was really, really grateful that that person helped me when they did uh because my credit scores in the it was so bad and I it's awful (laughs) um so this podcast in particular this is like kind of like the intro of how I became that single mom and there are so many things ahead of this story that um are still obstacles that I had to overcome now that I was venturing and becoming a single parent. And so future podcasts will kind of go over that. But I do want to make sure that like each podcast I talk about uh, gives you guys a little bit of something that I wish I had when I was going through those times. So, and to keep it to 30 minutes, which is what I think is the perfect time um, for these, I'm going to start moving into that how-to transition. So for me, the biggest thing during this time was the finances. I was not prepared at all whatsoever. Had no plan, flying by the seat of my pants, just hoping that something would happen. Or like for me, I the only reason I checked my mail some days is to see if somebody accidentally mailed me a thousand dollars. That was my hope. <laughs> um, it never happened. It still has yet to happen. But I still do hope that sometimes it's like hmm, maybe somebody accidentally sent me something today. That'd be great. Um, But 
for me, what I wish I had or had somebody help me with, like just truly sit down and help me with back then was a true understanding of my cost versus my income, like what's coming in versus what has to go out. And one thing I'm going to include with this podcast is a printout sheet of kind of like how you should or should try to go about um, listing out those things, your balances of things that you have to pay versus what money you actually get in versus like what you can actually afford. So we all know like when we become a parent, we have to give up some things. Things have to compromise in order for us to be successful in a lot of our partnerships. And being a parent is a partnership with your child, even if that child does not believe it yet. They will someday, but it's going to take a long time for them to get there. But in order for that child to be healthy, happy, and taken care of, we have to give up some stuff, right? We have to give up our time. We have to give up our sanity. We have to give up our money. Um, we have to give up our space, our physical space in our house. Uh, and hopefully this is all known before we agree to have a child. But if it's not, like those are the things we really have to take care of. So one thing I really think that would have helped me be a little bit more clear-headed and have a good running start is just a like finance snapshot. So again, I'm going to include a PDF here with this file um, on this podcast so that you can kind of see a breakdown of how it can be easier to adjust for your future. So basically, it's listing out everything that you owe in in the amounts. So that's gas, utilities, rent or mortgage, your car payment, your food, your daughter's um, diapers, like all those things that accumulate in a month. And nowadays, it's super easy in some cases to get a good understanding of how much that costs because everything should be tracked electronically if you have like an app on your phone with your bank account. Or you can go to your bank and pull reports if you want like super accurate numbers. So accounting for everything that comes out of your account that you pay for would be really helpful to know. And then understanding how much income you have coming in monthly. So if you, for um, whatever circumstance, happen to lose your job, then it's a matter of filing for assistance and getting some assistance from the government. I will put those links in my resources page as well, just so that they're available to people who are completely uh, lost and don't know where to start. That would be really helpful. I mean, uh, help having funds from family is super helpful and convenient too, but we don't we don't want to do that forever uh, because it becomes a different situation all in its own. So finding a way to become financially stable on your own as a single parent is going to be really, really important. And if you're just newly a single parent and you're thinking that child support checks are going to come in, I'll tell you right now, I got nothing because he went right to jail because he wasn't making money. There was no, there was nothing coming in. And I can tell you also they're not obligated to pay unless the state um, automatically takes it out of their paycheck of which they have to provide said paycheck and it's a whole ordeal. So you're better off just kind of understanding when you get yourself together that your finances are now your sole responsibility and the livelihood of you and your child is priority number one. So getting those in order would have been super helpful when I was starting out in the single parent realm Um, and understanding that credit cards are not the best way though they're the easiest thing to get approved if you can avoid doing it I strongly suggest it because it's going to make things for you in the future much harder to do so if you want to 
move into a different apartment or get a new car or a loan, having a lot of credit cards open and potentially maxed out with high interest rates is just going to be really difficult for you to move on from that. It, it took me a very long time and we'll get into that more in other podcasts. But that's, that is my quick story first episode podcast for Moms Who Roar. I hope that um, in what I shared helped you relate a little bit or you were given some tidbit of information that kind of sparked an idea of how it could help your life now or the life of somebody that you know. Um, And I do hope that future podcasts will have more helpful information. And in future future, like season two, I'm hoping, I don't know how long this this series is going to be, but in the next series... Um, I really want to start interviewing other moms that have similar type stories where they had gone through some type of situation that just seemed impossible and are out on the other side now and doing so much better for themselves and their kid. This is me talking to you all 10 years later from that instance and it took all that time for me to gain the experience and knowledge that I have to be where I am today. So Thank you all for tuning in and listening, liking and sharing, um, and providing any feedback you have for me on these series. I am so excited to be able to finally sit down and do this in a platform that seems right for the material that I'm delivering. Uh, And I really look forward to seeing and listening to everybody else's feedback and stories on this podcast platform. Okay, well, it's about 30 minutes and I'm going to sign off. Thank you again and have a great day.